Down in Carolina next to Myrtle Beach, where anything is finer than the summer heat. Farmer son, ain't no fun getting blisters on my hand. Yeah. Coming at you from the Carolinas and going out to more than 100 countries around the world. It's the Paul Leslie Hour. Welcome to this episode, my friend, my neighbor, my very favorite pronoun person. It is indeed a pleasure. So, we're pleased to present our very first episode since relocating from Georgia, the Peach State, to Carolina, Low Country, Charleston, South Carolina. And nothing could be finer than to be in South Carolina. What do we got for you today? This is an interview. It's from the archives. It's fairly atypical, really. Paul was invited to the grand opening of the Kiss Coffee House in Myrtle Beach. Yes, you heard that right. Kiss, K-I-S-S, Coffee House. And we mean Kiss, the rock band, Kiss. The Kiss Coffee House was open from 2006 to 2013 and was officially licensed by the band Kiss. So you should see the pictures of the place. I wish I had them right here. So that day, Paul got in his trusty pick-me-up truck and headed to Myrtle Beach with his traveling confederate and dear friend, Jeff Pike. They were going to be able to ask and record some questions of Gene Simmons of KISS and Paul Stanley of KISS, as well as the creator of the KISS Coffee House, Brian Galvin. You'll be meeting Brian in just a moment. Really charming guy. There's a lot of details to go with this tale, and maybe Paul will tell us one of these days. Long story short, Paul never got to interview Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley of KISS. Let's just say that a maniacal, unbalanced individual in an 18-wheeler had something to do with their delay. Paul and his pal Jeff Pike are grateful that they escaped with their lives. Did I mention an 18-wheeler? Oh, there was quite a mess there. The pick-me-up truck did get them to Myrtle Beach, but there was some considerable damage. At the end of the evening, there was Paul and Jeff, grateful to still have their feet on the ground and breathing air. And upon returning to Hotlanta, they were able to set up a phone interview with Brian Galvin of the Kiss Coffee House. And we have it for your listening pleasure. And for historical research purposes, of course. Real quick, gotta ask, what would you do to help us out? Hmm? Would you be able to help us keep the Paul Leslie Hour going? We've been going for 18 years now. Over 700 interviews and it's all made possible through you, the listener. Just go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support, and we thank you. So whether you're a KISS fan, a curiosity seeker, or a dedicated listener, now's the time to hear this incredible interview. Here it is, Paul's interview with the creator of the KISS Coffee House, Mr. Brian 
Galvin. And remember, we're coming at you from low country, South Carolina. Today's guest is Brian Galvin, the creator of the Kiss Coffee House. The Kiss Coffee House is in Myrtle Beach. You wanted the best. You got the best. The hottest coffee in the world. Welcome, Brian Galvin. Thank you very much. And it's also, uh, the coffee is also hotter than hell. <laughs> Just so you know, you don't burn yourself. So everyone's dying to know, how did you come up with the idea of a Kiss Coffee House? Well, the idea, actually, I, I came up with it. Um, I was building a Ben & Jerry's store. Um, that I was opening at the Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida, a couple of years ago. And the developers um, came to me and said, hey, we're looking for, you know, a fun, you know, coffee concept that would fit here at the Hard Rock. Um, they weren't looking for another Starbucks or anything. And, uh, you know, I had been a KISS fan since I was 12 years old and saw the uh, KISS Alive show in Providence in uh, 1975. And had just always remained a huge fan and, you know, kind of thought up this Kiss Cafe at the time. That's what we were calling it. Coffee that rocks and, uh, you know, presented it to everyone and everybody loved it. And unfortunately, it didn't open there. At the last minute, we had a slight problem. So it didn't open there. But uh, we opened uh, this summer in Myrtle Beach and it's been great. You mentioned that you got interested in Kiss when you were 12 years old when you were a youngster. What do you think it is that drew you to KISS? Uh, believe it or not, it was the music at the time. Uh, the first time I, you know, experienced KISS was on AM radio, and I heard rock and roll all night. And that was the live version. Um, and I had no idea what they looked like. And I, and I remember vividly calling up the disc jockey at the time on AM 550 WGNG. And uh, calling him up, and his name was Harvey Wallbanger. And I said, what is that song? That's the best. That's the best song I've ever heard. And he said, that's Kiss, Rock and Roll All Night. And I'm going to see them in New York next week. And I'm going to be, you know, reporting on the show uh, next week. So stay tuned. And when he came back from New York, um, he was just blown away. And, uh, you know, he was playing Kiss songs and, and um, singing along to the tune on the radio. And... You know, a couple of months later, they came through Providence, and I got tickets and went. But I had no idea that, you know, they wore the costumes and the makeup and all that. So that was just an added benefit. Well, you have to experience it. You First, you have to experience it. And after you do, it's like there's nothing else, because nothing can, can live up to that. And, you know, the great thing about the coffee house is, you know, after I experienced KISS, you know, when I was 12 years old, um, I was like the recruiter in the KISS Army. Um, like a lot of fans, and your job is to just, you know, convince people that they have to experience this awesome thing. And, um, you know, I've been going door to door, you know, for the last 30 years or so, um, talking to people. And the great thing about the coffee house is now we have, you know, like 10,000 people a day that walk by the Kiss Coffee House. So, uh, you know, a lot more people are getting exposed to Kiss. When you presented the idea for the Kiss Coffee House, who in the band Kiss or the Kiss organization did you hear from first? Um, well, everything goes through Signatures Network. So, um, you know, any licensed Kiss product first has to go through Signatures. And, um, 
you know, they liked the idea, but then I think more importantly, we had an, um, you know, an artistic rendering of what my idea of a Kiss coffee house or Kiss cafe, um, you know, what it would look like. And then that was presented to Gene and Paul. And, you know, the first time, you know, my first contact was with them was before the Kiss Aerosmith show in Boston, um, where before the show, we met at the hotel in the restaurant and kind of went over, you know, what is a Kiss Cafe and what should it be and what shouldn't it be? And uh, so that was my first um, experience, you know, with the band members talking about the project. When you met Gene and Paul, what was your initial perception? Having seen them when you were 12 years old, I imagine it was almost like surreal. But what what kind of stuck out in your mind after meeting them in person? Um, You know, I guess it was the fact that they really get it. You know, they're rock stars and, um, you know, everybody probably walks around, you know, and all they hear is how great they are. But, you know, one thing that kind of stuck out with, you know, especially with Paul Stanley, where he said to me, you know, you, you have to understand, you know, there can be a downside to Kiss. And, you know, there can be a liability to Kiss. And, you know, these are some of the things that, you know, we have to work through, which is, you know, making it fun. And, you know, so the non-Kiss fan won't be threatened and wants to come in and check it out also. And the fact that, you know, they're just grounded kind of guys and they, and they get it. Um from a business standpoint, um, that really impressed me. I was at the grand opening of KISS along with Jeff Pike, and one of the things that stuck out in my mind was how you have all these hundreds of people that are in line. Everybody, thousands. Right, thousands. <laughs> Everybody wants to get an autograph. Everybody wants to, you know, say hello and, you know, in a lot of cases meet their idols. But the thing that stuck out in my mind was... I never once saw Gene or Paul look the least bit like any fan was a nuisance. The entire time, they're smiling. I remember Gene whistling. Uh, he just appeared to be enjoying himself. He was so cordial. What about the grand opening stuck out in your mind? What is a memory for you? Well, um, I have two. The first one is exactly as what you're describing. And it kind of gave me chills as you were um, saying that because, you know, the guys walked into the store and our air conditioner had broken. You know, brand new store, but it was an old AC unit. And, you know, it was probably 90 degrees in there. And the guys walked in and, you know, they want to be stuck in this place with all these people for a long time. So it was uncomfortable to begin with. And um, there were so many people in line. We were really concerned, you know, that, you know, people were traveling from all over the country and in some cases, you know, from other parts out of the country. Um, you know, there was a guy there from Poland and some, some uh, it was a soldier there from Iraq. So people had traveled great distances. And, you know, I knew that Paul had a flight and he had to be out by like, you know, 10 o'clock. And, you know, how could we see everybody? How could all the fans get in to see Gene and Paul? And it just didn't seem possible, given the time constraint. So, you know, we instituted this, you know, policy where it would be, okay, they're going to come through real quick, no pictures, no autographs, just so everybody could make it through. And, you know, the first couple of people 
you know, were, were rushed through. Unfortunately, the first few people in line, it seemed, had to go through the quickest. And then Gene just said, look, people want autographs. They're going to get autographs. And that was it. And, uh, you know, from that point on, it was like, you know, Paul, he missed his flight. He had to reschedule everything. But they stayed until every last person in line was seen. And it was just, it, it really was truly amazing. No breaks, no bathroom breaks. Um, they just went from, you know, one fan to the next and truly appreciate everyone. And I could see that just from being behind the scenes that they, they truly appreciate the fans. And I know you hear that all the time, but to really see it happen and to know that it, it didn't have to be that way. I mean, they could have just left and said, hey, you know, we did our thing for an hour or two. Um, and they chose not to. And it wasn't even a discussion. I mean, they just, they decided that's what they were going to do and stay till every last fan made it through. That was incredible. It almost chokes you up as a KISS fan, doesn't it? <laughs> it was the best. It made me so proud as a KISS fan to really see that. It, it wasn't lip service. It, this was the real thing. You know, the other thing about the grand opening is, unfortunately, I couldn't enjoy it all that much because there was a lot of pressure on me, um, you know, because of that huge line of fans. And, you know, <laughs> if anything went wrong, uh, I know everybody would say, hey, where's Brian? You know, so um, actually, you know, when we when we brought Paul to the limousine and, and Gene went in and they drove off, then it was like, OK, yeah, now I can relax. We did it. Um, it was a spectacular event for Myrtle Beach, the city. I mean, it was bigger than Jimmy Buffett. Um, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville that opened a huge restaurant. Jimmy Buffett actually performed in the restaurant. And, uh, you know, the opening of the little Kiss Coffee House blew that away. It was really one of the biggest events the city had had ever seen. One of my questions for you is kind of having to do with that, the location of the Kiss Coffee House being in Myrtle Beach. It's kind of a beachy kind of island kind of location. What inspired the idea to have it in Myrtle Beach? The first thing I thought of was it's a party town, and two, there's... There's there's lots of good-looking girls walking around, which I'm sure Gene appreciated. Right. <laughs> what, yeah, what? and he did. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's for sure. So what, what what about Myrtle Beach made you think, you know what, the first Kiss Coffee House, Myrtle Beach? You know, it was really just um, when we lost the location there in Florida, you know, we sent it out to some of the developments that just, you know, had the most foot traffic. Um, and... Broadway at the beach there in Myrtle Beach, some of the kind of quick service food establishments in there, Ben and Jerry's and Johnny Rockets. I mean, they have some of the highest grossing stores in the country. And it's really because of, you know, the foot traffic that that development gets. And also, um, you know, it's highly themed. So you have Margaritaville and you have the Hog Rock Cafe in the shape of a huge pyramid. And, um, you know, a lot of themed, uh, you know, retail um, stores, and it, it, we just kind of fit in there. So it made sense. It would also make sense in Las Vegas in a casino um, or some of the, you know, big theme parks around the country. In every group of people, there's always the people that whine, bitch, moan, and complain. And I'm talking about the naysayers, the people that say, oh, this is a marketing band. It's kind of uh, ironic in that I'm not a collector. So... I have no 
kiss stuff because I would lose it. I mean, that's just my personality. So I'm not a collector of stuff, but I've always appreciated. I mean, one of the, just one of the things, you know, in the beginning, it was the music and then of course, you know, the makeup and then, you know, the different costumes and there's just so much to get into. But I always liked their ability to make money. And so maybe it's because, you know, I kind of have a marketing kind of business background. I've just always been interested in that. I've always appreciated that about the band. For example, um, I saw the Kiss Expo or the Kiss Convention in Boston when they played, came in and played the acoustic set. And, you know, it was $100 a ticket, which at the time was like, oh, my God, you know, 100 bucks. That was before, the, you know, the platinum $1,000 tickets. But this is $100 a ticket to see Kiss perform acoustic in a ballroom of a hotel. And they announced that there would be only a 1,000 tickets sold. So I'm in the ballroom there, and I'm looking around, and there had to be, you know, 2,500 people anyway. And we're all crammed in. And I'm thinking, they just made $200,000 today. <laughs> and they did it by just kind of isolating that core fan. And I loved it. I loved it for them that they were able to figure out how to make money. You know, at the time, it was kind of a downtime, you know, for KISS. And they were able to do that. And then, you know, and then that created the whole KISS Unplugged and the reunion tour and everything else. So it's just brilliant. And um, and I appreciate that about the band. And, you know, I, I understand there there is a segment of the population out there, maybe pure musicians that think that it's only about, you know, how fast you move your fingers or whatever. And if you make a lot of money, then you're not a musician. But I've always liked that about Kiss. Well, I think Gene said it best. Jesus saves, Moses invests. <laughs> were you, were, were, did you get the opinion meeting Gene up close that he was just one of the most funny people? Because there have been a lot of things that I've heard him say on TV, and I see everyone just kind of really like almost shocked and I just think it's hysterical. Did you get the opinion that Gene was... What was your opinion of Gene and Paul? Like, is, was anything about their personality that kind of stood out that you thought maybe someone else may be surprised to know about them? Well, uh, you know, again, about Paul, just the fact that he, he seems very grounded to me. Um, he's kind of like just uh, a guy that's successful in what he does. And... He, you know, he could be an attorney or a, or a doctor or, you know, a small business owner, whatever. Although you look at Paul, and Paul is the ultimate rock star, to me, he doesn't have the attitude of that. And so that's kind of what I took away from, you know, my time with Paul. Um, he's just kind of a real person and just genuinely a nice, nice person. Gene... <laughs> Uh, everything that I've ever seen about him, you know, a lot of times you think, hey, you know, that's just an act and that's, you know, just a show and, and all that. And uh, it's all real. <laughs> so everything, I mean, that's my, has been my experience. It's, it's all real. Um, a very nice guy, but, you know, he kind of lives up to that, um, you know, Gene Simmons persona. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's really all I can say. I, I was able to spend a little time with him in Myrtle Beach, and uh, I was out with another guy, and at the end of the night, he said to him, you know, Gene, it's a, it's a good thing you don't drink. And he looked and said, why is that? And then I said, well, it'd be two ways freelies. 
<laughs> and it was just, you know, if if that guy had artificial stimulation or anything, yeah, he would be totally out of control. <laughs> He's enjoying life. He's enjoying life. And also, you know, a, a very intelligent guy. That's where I think a lot of that humor comes from is that he, he is very intelligent. So, you know, sometimes he's, he's saying jokes to you and you don't even get it. It's going right over your head. So kind of on a, the lighthearted side, do you have a favorite Kiss song? Um, well, you know, in the old days, it was rock and roll all night. Now it gets played so much. How, you know, how can that one be your favorite? So, you, you know, you look for those little nuggets like, you know, Mr. Speed and, um, you know, room service and things like that. I think, you know, for me, I like some of the, kind of simple uh, Paul Stanley songs. Although I've always said, if Gene is on, he makes the album. Uh, if you get if you get good material out of Gene, the album's great. You pretty much always know what you're going to get from Paul. So my final question to you, what would you, Brian Galvin, the creator of the Kiss Coffee House, like to say to the world, given that this program broadcasts all over the world, I would say you got to check out kisscoffeehouse.com. Amen. Bring the coffee house to your house. And, you know, that's been a great thing, um, having the website, is what I really didn't realize is that KISS fans truly are all over the world. We ship products, probably 40% of our sales are international, and so they're coming from Japan and you know, Brazil and Australia and Italy and all over the globe. So it really, it truly is um, an international phenomenon. Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I thank you for, one, inviting and having us up to the grand opening, and I thank you for giving us this interview. You bet. Good, good to talk to you. It was our pleasure. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano. The traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.